Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. It's something we can all relate to, whether we're 8 or 108, a longing to belong, a desire to fit in. We see it with our kids in schools, ourselves in social circles, and even in church congregations. President Dieter F. Uchtdorf spoke bluntly about this problem in a general conference when he said, Unfortunately, from time to time, we also hear of church members who become discouraged and subsequently quit coming to and participating in our church meetings because they don't fit in, or at least they don't feel like they do. Joining us to talk about fostering a feeling of belonging, especially within ourselves, and how it's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about is Doug Richens. Doug supports the creation of resources related to disabilities, correctional programs, mental health, and suicide for the LDS Church as the manager of special services. Prior to that role, he spent 15 years teaching seminary and institute. Doug enjoys spending time with his wife and six children, and we're happy to have you here today, Doug. Good to be here. Thanks Thanks. for coming. Based on these groups of people we just mentioned that you work with, you're, mm-hmm. you're pretty familiar with this sentiment that people don't fit in, or they feel like they don't yeah. fit in. And we know that our Savior loved everybody, and love is the basis of this gospel. And so how do so many people feel that they don't belong when we're all supposed to be practicing this love one another? I think we're mortal, <laughs> and we're, yeah. we're, we're striving that direction. But there are factors that come into play that create a a sense of isolation. What do you see most? You know, we get a lot of feedback from leaders and members of the church, whether it's about those incarcerated or disabilities or other life challenges, which go all across the boards. It's common uh, that they feel isolated. It's common that they just um, don't think their challenges fit in an idealized model that they, they have in their mind about going to church or being a member of the church. Um, as they focus on the Savior, as they focus on uh, the reality of what we're trying to provide, um, they see their place. And and there is room enough for everyone in every way. Um, These life challenges uh, just knock people over sometimes. And it may not even be something huge or major. They may just have something they don't agree with with doctrine, or they may be a single member, or they don't fit into that supposed ideal that really doesn't exist, but um, it runs the gamut, it sounds like. Yeah, the sense of belonging is an interesting concept right now. Uh, To belong to the church, you have to be a baptized, confirmed member of the church. But to feel like you belong is a combination of a lot of factors. It's a connection with people. It's about a a trust in the leadership. It's a connection with your Heavenly Father. It's the doctrine. It's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. Um, As our conversations with so many members have kind of all come back to this theme of, of a problem, a, a moment of conflict or confusion about their status in the church or a, a program or something. Yeah, um, you hear that a lot. And can this even apply to, I, I think sometimes there's a misconception that, well, if they're the Sunday school teacher, there's no way they feel like that. But you're oh, saying yeah. that it happens to everybody at some point, it seems like. Yeah, all, no one is exempt from yeah. life challenges. The, the burdens carried by leaders, in fact, um, you know, is added stress in, in lots of ways. Uh, the blessings attend, and the Lord supports us in callings and capacities. But 
to deal with life challenges. You can be a busy, uh, faithful member of the church, have your, your employment and young teen family with, with all hosts of challenges. Your plate can get really full. The function of church is to bring us to those ordinances, bring us to a place of peace, a place of welcome. There's a phrase I heard at a conference a few years ago. It was an interfaith, international interfaith uh, theology and disability conference. It's, I go to it every year. It's fantastic. And uh, a minister got up and talked about helping people feel outrageously welcome. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's not our our language, perhaps, right. in the church. I but like the, it, though. The sentiment mm-hmm. is that you would come in and you'd be, con- uh, you'd be connected. You'd be um, approached by someone. You'd be known. And there would be a deep sense of welcome. And so do we need to take that on ourselves just as regular members of the church? Maybe we like to leave that to the bishop or we like to leave it to whomever um, to do you encourage people to do that? Like get out of your comfort zone. If you see somebody you don't know, go talk to them. Will that make a difference? Yeah, we have license to do good. All of us. Uh, We're hitched to the same plow as the bishop. He has keys and responsibilities that are unique with his calling, but the, the capacity to bless others. That's, a, that's us as a community, as a, as a ward, as a branch, whatever, um, the capacity. In fact, uh, I know firsthand there are people in my ward that my bishop perhaps couldn't connect with, that mm-hmm. others could, um, and, and, and not by assignment. Um, then we're making someone a project and we, we miss the mark. But in that spirit of walking in the door and saying, I'm here to be fed, but I'm also here to support others. And kind of lose ourselves in that portion of the work. I've also heard people um, be a little bit offended, like if they get Astrid to introduce themselves three times, you oh, yeah. know, they've, they've been there. And so is part of it, too, on the person who doesn't feel like they belong, what can they do? You're telling us what we can all do to help someone feel like they belong. If you're the one who feels like you don't belong, is there something or things that you can do? Yeah. So let me divide that into two chunks, a doctrinal side and then just a a practical side. The doctrinal side is to to be close with your Heavenly Father, to know you belong to Him, that you're part of His family, that your geography is right, that you're in the right place at the right time. There is something that's so significant, so powerful in your life if you know you're at the right place at the right time. That's a matter of prayer and revelation and, and personal introspection. If nothing else, at right. least you know you're, you belong to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when that's in place, um, you can introduce yourself two or three times in a new ward or a new group, you know, and, and roll with it pretty easily. Um, as we come into a new community, we want to be accepted. Everyone wants that. Um, we want to fit in. We want to just get up to speed. Uh, give yourself time. Be patient. Um, you have, you know, 200 new faces to meet, and those 200 people are, are trying to wrestle with all of the ward and meet you, and there's just a lot of things going on. We can be patient and just uh, give it time. What are some ways, I think that oftentimes when people feel like they don't belong, um, like I mentioned, having to introduce themselves three times and they think, is no one noticing me? I did this last week. What are some ways that we, um, if we're feeling comfortable, can do that reaching out? Introducing ourselves to church is one thing, but what are some other ideas that we can help people? And let's talk about youth, too, because they feel like this is a huge problem with them oftentimes, feel like they belong. Yeah. As we tell stories about ourselves, 
in the right way, um, we find people hear those stories and we, we make connections as we introduce ourselves, as we uh, participate in a lesson to share, I have a life experience about this issue. And you're not just giving a, a doctrinal answer or Sunday school answer. Yeah. You're, you're saying, in my life, here's how I've understood that. People listen to that. We hear that. Your, your perspective, if you're a person of disability, for example, and there's a gospel discussion going on about um, a scripture passage, a, a passage of inclusion, talk about your disability. Say, boy, this is, I have a unique perspective about this, and, and be as open as you can. If it's something, you also deal with a lot of people who are struggling with some mental health issues, mm-hmm. and maybe they don't want to share that right off the bat, but in a way, if they do, would that, I mean, someone could resonate with that. Do you, do you kind of counsel people to, to share their struggles or, or not? It's a fine line, because Elder Oaks, I think, years ago, made a comment at a, a talking conference where he talked about people airing their dirty laundry. Yeah. And, and I think you can share Sometimes it too can really, much. you can. Sometimes it can also really be helpful, I think. And, and it, it, yeah, it's, there's a discernment component to it. Use the spirit on um, yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're going to err on, on one side or the other, I would err on the side of being open, being authentic. Uh, we connect with that. That matters. We need more of that in the church. We need to be able to come as we are and lay aside any Facebook persona that we have you know, created and, and be us in that place. It's a place of worship. It's a place of healing. It's a place to make to participate in ordinances. It's a place to hear others and to hear. You, you can't be self-worried, self-conscious. You've got to be able to just be comfortable in your skin to hear other stories and connect. I think that I, I've heard that um, that struggle that a lot of people have. What They don't necessarily feel like they don't fit in because of something specific, but it's this feeling that you have to be perfect. Yeah. I hear that a lot, that um, people just are tired of pe- people who they think are faking perfection, whether or not they are. Um, is that something that we all need to be a little introspective about? I think so. There's a, the statement from the First Presidency um, related to disabilities invites us to remove barriers and then they outline specific ways that we can do that. Do you know any of them? Like, what are some ways? Yeah, that remove we can... the barriers of the physical access to the facilities. Right. Remove barriers of acceptance, mm-hmm. or, or that might impede acceptance and understanding. Um, barriers associated with someone serving in a calling because of a wheelchair or some kind of disability. We need to remove those. Um, as as we're introspective and we say, what are the barriers that I'm putting up that get in the way of connecting with others? Mm-hmm. Let me give a personal example. Okay. Um, my, chil- my children, we have six kids. Um, they're a handful. They're awesome. My oldest is 18. <laughs> my youngest is six. And um, everything in between. We sit in church kind of up close. Uh, the reason for that is an attention issue with my son with autism. Mm-hmm. It helps. Yeah. It works. In his face. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. Um, and I, it's, it's just kind of our pattern. But I also notice that when we show up early, I don't see a lot of other people that I could greet. Hmm. Um, and so we find a way to, to get our space and then, you know, 
meet and greet and, mm -hmm. and reach out to people in the way that we can, but still show up and do, you know, participate in church in a way that meets our needs. That's great. I know that you visit a lot of um, church congregations in prison, mm -hmm. and you have said that the people there are, are very humble, um, but often that you've seen outside of a situation like that, there is a pride factor. Can you talk about that? How is that a barrier? Is that kind of what I was talking about, do you yeah. think? Just people being prideful? Individuals who are incarcerated know where they're at. Yeah. There's no hiding. Uh, yeah, the whole world knows where you're at. Yeah. It's part of a court record, what you've done, and, 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 and that kind of strips away a lot of those, those factors. Um, as we visit in correctional facilities, the Spirit attends, truth is taught. Uh, I've been, I was in Arizona a few months ago. Uh, there was about 45 men in this correctional branch that we were visiting. I think I could have picked up 90% of them and placed them in any ward in the church, and they would have just fit in just perfect. They mm -hmm. were devout and converted and penitent and all of those things. Um, it's the shadow games of that, that can occur on the outside of um, who we are, what we're struggling with, what we, what we desire in life. We can, we can prop those things up. Sometimes they manifest as pride. Sometimes they're insecurities. So by shadow games, you mean that we're hiding these things? I think, I think it's, a, yeah, it's a natural part mm -hmm. of, of who we are, but there's a surrender to the, the honesty of what the gospel provides to us. We've got to be real in order to receive the, the, the teachings and, and apply it to our life. Um, circumstances in life, corrections, perhaps uh, a deep struggle with a disability, perhaps you've been in, in a dark place and contemplated suicide. Um, you, you can have all kinds of challenges that you bear. Sometimes those challenges help strip away that false sense of who we are. Consequently, we improve the culture of belonging in the church. And so when people have those struggles, and um, oftentimes it's our first reaction to pretend everything is fine. Right? Yeah. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. Um, are you saying that that can be isolating? We, we shouldn't pretend everything is fine? That's a hard one. <laughs> um, let's go back. Okay, you and I went to high school together. Yes. Um, we, we're very aware of all of those great friends we had. And, and at times there were false fronts put forward, and we were aware of deeper needs that were going on, but they kind of had a, a, a public self, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, as we move towards a real us, I think we're happier. As we, it's not about shunning every aspect of, of our public face and, and just putting all of our woes out there for everyone to see, but mm -hmm. I think as we move to a place of authenticity with it, we're happier. We apply... Uh, the principles of service more readily in our life. Um, I think these things are a little easier for adults to grasp. How uh, can parents, though, teach these concepts to their kids? Because I think a lot of times that's where it starts and then maybe manifests itself when they're adults. But that those youth who don't belong and they stop coming to activities. And, and you actually have a personal example with this, too, in your family. Yeah, Willing to share? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. It's not dirty laundry. It's, no, this it's, is it's help part people. of our journey, yeah. and, and I've shared it many times. Good. But our son, Sam, brilliant kid, um, 
absolutely brilliant. He's uh, graduated from high school, um, autistic, um, preparing for a young church service mission. We're just pleased Great, in every yeah. way. When he was young, I had the idea of what his journey should be. I thought team sports was the path mm. that he would be great for, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we went through several rounds of him uh, trying this sport and that, and he finally was able to articulate to us, I don't like the team sport world. Yeah. So as parents, the action item was, okay, let's lay aside our you know, vision of what he should be, and let's accept his realities. Consequently, he's been directed into um, his reading, his golf, his uh, care of animals. He has thrived and grown and learned all of the lessons of of growing up we would hope he'd learn in a way that aligned with him. And then he felt a sense of belonging within those activities, even though it wasn't yeah, he said the sweetest thing to me the other day. She said, Dad, I'm nervous to graduate. He said, I just love my life. Oh. What a great compliment. What better <laughs> thing can your child say? Absolutely. You say that there is um, there's a three-word rule to tackle challenges of helping someone to feel like they belong and to see the one, which yeah. we're going to talk a lot about. What is that three-word well, rule? By no means did I, we invent this or, or capitalize <laughs> on this. I hadn't heard it. But I think it, it helps. It's simply to say to someone, I believe you. In what? As, as they context. express um, a reality of their life, a struggle, a triumph, a success, whatever it is, um, look deeply into them, hear them, and be able to say, I believe you. If they're, if they're talking about a wrestle, um, a depression, a, an anxiety over a certain point, um, okay. it's easy to dismiss that, especially it's these parents. It's hitting me now because you say, oh, you're, no, you're fine. Or right. so-and-so is being mean to me. Oh, you're fine. I can see yeah. myself doing my, that. My son in junior high is a good example because, you know, I would give anything for his little problems compared yeah. to my stresses in life. <laughs> I, I hear him complain about things. And I think, oh, how simple is that? But I've, To him, it's big. But it's a huge yeah. thing for him. And so for me to validate and say, son, I believe you. Okay, what, I believe you, number yeah. one. What's number two? So this little three-point pattern of, of belonging, contributing, and progressing, to say that I believe you is mm-hmm. first, that they are contributing in a way that's real is, a, is just an essential component. Um, church service, community service, participation in the family has to be real. They have to know that they're contributing, not just doing chores or So you just don't do list. everything for them as a parent. They... They oh, need to contribute. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of parents fall into that trap, though. It's but easier just to do everything for them. If, if, you're, if you're focusing on, we want them to feel like they belong in our home, in our family, and they're contributing, and they can connect that to the whole of the family, um, they will be progressing, and that belonging will increase. They kind of helix, if mm-hmm. you will, and spin up in that way. In the scriptures, when Nephi and his family were getting ready to shove off into the into the wilderness. Um, even the murmurers in the family, the Laman and Lemuel, they contributed. Mm. Um, Nephi connected that, contrib- that contribution he made uh, to the purposes of God and the purposes of the family. Consequently, he felt a belonging, and he grew in strength and spirit. Um, the other boys uh, technically contributed, but they didn't connect it to, to the purposes of God and the family. So how do we um, help our children understand that connection? 
I think it might be a little easier for them to understand they're contributing to the family, but how of that connection to God? Deep discussions, um, shallow busyness of life. Uh, a little phrase I've, I've thought about recently is we can be so busy trying to stay on top of things that we never get to the bottom of things. Okay. And um, it's about deep conversations, meaningful conversations, not necessarily long. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you have six kids. How do you fit yeah, that in? But, but connecting conversations mm-hmm. where we listen. And, and, you know, the moments of testifying to my kids about the truths of the gospel don't come in formal settings. They happen on the sidelines of a, of a ball game. They happen in the evening while we're fixing dinner when we're able to connect what they're doing to the purposes of God in, in, their, in their growth. And it's not all day long preaching, but there are moments when you just see a little opening and you can teach. So belong, contribute, and progress. And then I love this, that you said we all as a church family, maybe it's a church family, maybe it's a neighborhood family, but for church specifically, kids and adults need to feel like church is their tribe. What do you mean by that? Oh, you know, Seth Godin, the great writer, business writer, he wrote this little book called Tribes, and it's just all about... um, identifying people and what they associate with, and then you can market to them and yada, yada. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that everybody finds a tribe. Yeah. We just do. We, we pull into some group in some capacity. Um, the church is a community of people with seeking to find their Heavenly Father, seeking to improve their lives, grateful for a Savior. There's lots of ways to define the community of the church. Um, Belonging to that tribe um, is a connection point. It's the practical side of it is if you were to get into cycling, for example, you'd get the hardware, you get the bikes, all the gear, um, but but you'd find a it'd become your identity, your tribe. Mm-hmm. We have to be wise about what we choose to connect with. Uh, the churches, I think, is at the heart of what we should should reach towards church is my tribe yeah i see signs going up all over in homes across the world now when we talk about you mentioned that um, we need to reach out and let's talk about youth for a minute um just like welcoming new members of our word we sometimes leave to our bishop i think with youth Mm -hmm. we can often leave that to the young men young women leaders but you said earlier that it always sometimes it just takes someone different to connect with a kid. You could have six leaders in the young women, but none of them are connecting with this one girl. It could be yeah. you. So how do we make time for that in our lives and make that a priority? You know, I think the, the blessing of my employment has been I have seen the Lord orchestrate connections in His work on a, on a larger scale that I never could have imagined possible. He is in the details, and He is in the He's in the organization and the structure. Of, of finding ways to connect to these young people. We have to trust that. Not always by assignment, but as, as a group, as a community, as a ward. Um, young men and young women leaders, uh, that term leaders is appropriate. That's the term we use in the church. At the heart of it, they're mentors. If, if those leaders would see themselves more as a mentor, they would be listening more They'd understand the needs of the one uh, a little bit. We don't ever put on an activity for a group, right? It's individuals that need to gather and and participate. I think sometimes we feel tentative to reach out when we may not feel like it's our place. But 
I feel like we we must because you never know if if you're the person who can who can relate to that kid, yeah. even if it's not your own kid. And I think I think women to women is is increasingly um, accepted, and and it's just absolutely essential. Um, a wise bishop would know that there are sisters in his ward for to which he can serve and minister, but there are other sisters who can connect with him in a way that's significant and yeah. essential, and that wouldn't be excluded at all be, to be part of the fabric of the of the bishop and the and the ward. You talked about um, that when kids or family members or friends are struggling outward, that that's when, but when we need to step in and make them feel loved and that they belong. Um, sometimes they're not showing signs, though. But what are some signs that we can look for in people to, so that we know that they aren't quite feeling like they fit in? Sometimes it's, there's a verbal portion. They complain. They push back. They don't want to go to activities. Mm-hmm. could be a lot of reasons, not necessarily rebellion, uh, just other issues. Um, the signs of someone um, in deep trouble who are, are contemplating self-harm, or those kind of things, you know, would be a depression, would be an isolation, would be long hours by themselves with their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that sense of detachment that you kind of can pick up on in a family or within a, a quorum or young women's group. If we're going to see the one, and we're going to say, "What are you know, Amy? What are your needs?" Um, I've got to look beyond the programmatic portion of my calling. Um, did your parents just go through a divorce? Uh, what's happening in your friend world, your social world? What access to problematic things do you have? Just to contemplate, to wonder, to ask the direct questions. When we're supporting people with disabilities, we, I've seen this so many times. A young person with a disability will be standing here with an adult, and someone will come up and ask the adult what that person with a disability needs. Mm-hmm. No, we talk to them. We address them, and with these youth, there is value in talking to mom and dad. How can I help? What's going on? But then my wife does this all the time. She'll take one of the young women and go get a Frosty and say, what's up? Yeah. Tell me your story. Love it. And we need to um, listen. One word. That seems like uh, the main component. Yeah. And believe. Yeah, listen Listen and and believe. believe. Young people are so great at cover-up and putting forward that false self um, but the gift of discernment the practical side of what we've been in through life gives us the ability to kind of see through the smoke screen and in a polite way in the right way call them out and say oh, I think there's more here what's going on <laughs> and be supportive I think with kids um, that might be a little easier sometimes not necessarily to get a response but just to kind of pull them aside when we're talking about adults and our friends and and those who just aren't feeling welcome anymore whether it is a doctrinal issue or whether it's a social issue um what are some things we can do for them we don't want to preach um but how can we help them strengthen their relationship with god in in that i think that would be the answer but how um everyone has got to wrestle and if you come forward into to a group setting, if I go into a, a prison or into a, a ward high priest group or whatever, everyone's... Assume know. everyone has something yeah, going on. Yeah, okay. that's essential. I mean, you don't have to be the one to solve everyone's problems. Good. And you don't need to give 
answers. In fact, most of the time when we're answering doctrinal questions, people just kind of clear the air as they talk about it, and they, you know, you can you can ask them a couple of refining questions, and they can continue on their path of discovery. Uh, in fact, asking questions is probably one of the best tools to use to help people get them thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. challenge their thoughts. If someone is in that mindset of a a particular doctrine derails the wholeness of their belief system. Well, that's flawed thinking. There's, uh, there's, there's more to the puzzle than any one particular point of doctrine, and we need to just help them see that. A, a professor I had years ago at BYU said, he said, I don't let what I don't know destroy what I do know. And people can get hung up on a point of doctrine mm-hmm. here or there, and we just keep teaching them and bring them along and, and listen. So finally, um, you say that it is important that we all realize just because someone may not be living like we taught them, if it's our child or like they were taught, or they may be outright sinning, um, that that doesn't mean they're exempt from the Holy Ghost. Can you talk about how important that is for us to realize that our kids, if that's who we're talking about, or our friends, family members can still be touched by the Holy Ghost? I've learned this in this over the last several years of this journey in correctional programs because I'm associating with former members of the church who are incarcerated and excommunicated. So they've lost the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I see the Holy Ghost attend in their life. What we call the influence of the Holy Ghost is the fullness of the Holy Ghost. The constant companionship that we define as the gift of the Holy Ghost is unique. But we should never minimize what a member of the Godhead can do. (laughs) The Holy Ghost, through that simple phrase we call the influence, is huge. It it fills a, a prison chapel room. It fills a person's bedroom with light. Everyone who joins the church is acting under the influence of the Holy Ghost. So if you have a, a child, a friend, a spouse, and there's sin in their life, and maybe they don't merit to the full capacity, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the way we would define it doctrinally. The influence of the Holy Ghost is still there. If you can put them in in a place where truth is spoken and that they can connect with with those principles, the Holy Ghost can teach them and heal them in any part of their life. Um, Introducing opportunities for that is is the pattern we would want to follow. It's not a gimmick. It's not a strategy It's the pattern we should follow. Uh, if you and I were to sit down and open up the scriptures and have a discussion about 1 Corinthians 12, we would talk about, we'd read about the body of Christ, that every member is important. We'd be studying the gospel. The Holy Ghost could attend. The influence of the Holy Ghost could say something to you very different than what I get. Um, opportunities for people to be close to the Spirit. Um, enabled him to have influence. There's a man in who served about 17 years, I believe, 17, 18 years, in several different prisons. Um, he took mag, church magazines and would find pictures of temples. Then he would take other paper and kind of do a paper mache and sit in his cell and, and 3D model temples. Wow. That was his hobby. This was his <laughs> past the time, which they have a lot of time. Yeah. But what was happening is his mind was intently focused on things of God, a temple. Yeah, eternal things. Yeah, and, and he had 
the inf- it, that invited the influence of the Holy Ghost into into his cell, into his life. And so if we can create those opportunities. Yeah. Those are great words of hope. Thank you so Amen. much. Our thanks today to Doug Richens for being here. Um, Doug supports the creation of resources related to disabilities, correctional programs, mental health, and suicide for the LDS Church as the manager of special services. Thank you. He's given us some great insight today on how to foster a feeling of belonging in those around us. Thank you for joining us. Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. Subscribe to the podcast on mormonchannel.org, the Mormon Channel app, or on iTunes.